Well, today we celebrate the feast of the baptism of Christ, and it's very much, um, you know, uh, uh, in the in the same spirit uh, as Christmas and as Epiphany. And in fact, some kind of aspects or versions of Epiphany focus on the baptism of the Lord uh, because it has to do with his manifestation. So here's Jesus being manifested to the world. And uh, what's being manifested uh, in Christmas time is God incarnate, which is a huge article of, our, of, of the creed. Uh, but also another you know, fundamental, like really what gives the structure to the creed is the doctrine of the Trinity, which is the most fundamental uh, article, or not article, but aspect of the creed. It really it gives the entire creed its, its uh, structure and its logic. So we're, we're seeing the Trinity here being manifest in a public manner for the first time in human history. The Old Testament prophets had an intimation of God as Trinity uh, through their you know, prophetic vision um, and probably throughout the course of Christ's hidden life in Nazareth. Uh, the Trinity was revealed to very select people here and there, the Blessed Mother being one of them maybe. Uh, but as far as the public promulgation of the doctrine of the Trinity, it really didn't begin until right here. Okay, so this is this is the first public revelation uh, of the Trinity, and uh, we have the Son of God, we have the Holy Spirit coming down upon Him, we have the voice of the Father. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Christ's baptism then becomes a pattern for all Christian baptism, because all Christian baptism should be done in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And um, I guess maybe what I want to talk about here is the importance of contemplation in the Christian life and how fundamental the contemplative life is to Christianity. I think today, if you say to someone, you use this phrase, contemplative life, they don't know what you're talking about. They literally don't know what you're talking about. It's because we in the modern world have essentially taken the contemplative life and completely forgotten about it, and we live the active life. So back up a little bit here. It's always been the case, even amongst pagans, uh, and then of course uh, amongst ancient Jews, and then especially amongst ancient Christians, that there's a difference. There's two forms of life. There's the contemplative life and the active life. Contemplative life is given to, it's given to study. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a shunning of the kind of the practicalities of life, of family and commerce and state and all of these things. It's kind of a, a walking away from all of that, a fleeing of that, a leaving that behind, and a dedicating of one's life to, to thought, but then, especially in the Christian era, more fundamentally, dedication to prayer. Okay, And um, the practical life has to do, again, with the domestic life, the life of state, the life of politics, and uh, practicality, Okay, active, activity. And um, so you've got thought and you've got activity, these two kinds of different things. And one form of life focusing on one, one form of life focusing on the other. Um, <clears throat> I once had a student, and I don't want to pick on her, but I had a student say to me, she came from a, a Catholic uh, college. She had, I don't know how many years under her belt, maybe two, something like that. And I had her in kind of like a, an extracurricular program that I was teaching. And uh, she's like, she said something to the effect of, oh no, 
Do we have to learn about the Trinity? What practical consequences that doctrine for me? <laughs> she had, she had like two years of of theological education in a Catholic college, <laughs> and uh, the frame, the question being asked, it's it's it assumes that the active life is the only life that's really worth anything. But uh, actually, the higher life is a contemplative life, and believe it or not, our entire life on this earth is a preparation for one long, in fact, eternal contemplation of the Trinity. That's what the whole goal of human life is, is to eventually come to a point where the virtue of faith is done away with and we, be, we don't walk by faith anymore, but we actually see what we now believe in, and that is the blessed Trinity. So to behold the Trinity for eternity is actually the goal of human existence. <laughs> so if you ask the question, like, what good is it learning about the Trinity? I think you've kind of got your priorities a little bit backwards here. But, you know, her, her, I don't want to pick on her in particular because she is really kind of a product or a function of a larger society that's structured in such a way that we don't understand contemplation. Everything's noise, everything's busyness, everything's running to and fro like chickens with their heads cut off, everything's the rat race. We don't know what contemplation is. We don't, unfortunately, you know, in the American Catholic Church, uh, we really owe it to the Irish, Richard, uh, we really owe it to the Irish, okay? Um, and the Irish really built the American Catholic Church in the 19th century, and we owe so much to them. Uh, but they are more given, the Irish Catholics are more given to the active life than to the contemplative life, okay? And especially in the American sort of incarnation of this. Can we think of any great big monastic foundations in America? Not really. <laughs> Amer uh, European Catholicism was built on the back of monasticism. The Benedictine order essentially preserved and consolidated and, and really uh, pushed forward uh, European Catholicism, European civilization, really, throughout the Middle Ages. So um, the monastic life for Catholicism historically is its foundation, especially in Europe, Middle East as well. Um, but in America, we don't have that. America is a very Protestant country, and we're and the Protestantism, you know, when King Henry took over, okay, and he basically cut himself off from the from the Pope in England. What's the first thing he did? He shut down all the monasteries. What good is a monastery? These guys sit around; they don't do anything all day. They don't make money. They don't produce any kind of mechanisms or gizmos or iPads. What the heck are they doing all day? You know what I mean? So that's the that's the mentality of the active life that does not understand the value of the contemplative life. And so whenever there's revolutions or the Protestants take over a Catholic country, the first thing they do is they they shut down the monastic orders because they don't understand the contemplative life. But as I say, it's a funny thing because the contemplative life is the more primary mode of human existence. And in fact, it's what human existence is ordered towards. We are all headed towards the contemplation of the Trinity. So it's good to kind of get a little practice in ahead of time, you know, because that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of our existence, Lord willing, we make it to heaven. So maybe as a takeaway home, let's, let's kind of just sort of remember the value of contemplation, of taking time to be quiet, setting some time aside, doing meditation, just spending time with the Lord uh, in prayer, knowing that our baptism really is ordered towards uh, the vision of the Trinity. 
and um, and the, the the joy and the peace and the utter fulfillment that comes from that vision.